You're not about that life, champ. I can see it. Game over, man. Game over. He runs with the 50. He runs with the 40. The guy is drunk. Playoffs? You kidding me? Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Here we go. Playing to win the game. That was one heck of a timeout. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Ron is in trouble. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. EA Hunter sarcastically speaking about sports podcast. To watch Andre Drummond before the game uh, sit on the sideline, then go to the back, and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him. Because when James Harden asked for a trade and essentially dogged it, I don't think there was no surprise or no, you know, there's no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston. But he was castrated for wanting to go to a different team, and everybody destroyed that man. Destroyed, And yet a team can come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy, and then that guy is to go sit and if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer and he's not good in someone's locker room and he's the issue. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview that was fucked after up. the All-Star game. That was top 10. And we continue to up. let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen fine, with Dana. another player. But teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys, we're not playing you. And yet we're to stay professional. At some point, as players, we need to be treated with the same respect and have the same rights that the team can have. Because as a player, you're the worst person in the world when you want a different situation. But a, but a team can say they're trading you and that man is to stay in shape. He is to stay professional and if not, his career is on the line. At some point, this league has to protect the players from embarrassment like that. You know, we talk all of this stuff about you can't do this. You can't say that publicly. If you say that publicly, you're fine. Anthony Davis got fined, I think, $100,000 or something like that for demanding a trade publicly. But you can say Andre Drummond's getting traded publicly, and we're looking to trade him publicly, and he's to stay professional and just deal with it. But then when Kyrie Irving say, oh, my mental health is off, everybody go crazy about that too. Do you not think that affects someone mentally? As much as we put into this game to be great, to come out here and be in shape, to produce for fans every single night, and most importantly, to help your team win, do you think that doesn't affect someone mentally? But as players, we're told to, ah, no, you can't say that, you can't say this, but teams can it goes along the same lines of when, when everyone wants to say, oh, man, that young guy can't figure it out. But no one wants to say the organization can't figure it out. At some point, the players must be respected in these situations, and it's ridiculous, and I'm sick of seeing it. Y'all have a great night. I'll see y'all tomorrow or Wednesday. What happened? You know what just happened? Dream on motherfucking green. That's what just happened. Yeah, that's who that was. That's who that was. Um reeling off that I don't want to say lengthy but that uh post game press conference rant I um 
I saw the I saw the video like like always you know social media I see it see him it's him uh, it's just like the little cutout the still of him and I'm like what has he said this time because let's make make no mistake man he he's he's the what is he a millennial how I gotta look up how old he's I don't know but he's he's this generation's Charles Barkley which is funny because him and Charles Barkley butt heads and don't really get along but. He's this generation's Charles Barkley as far as athletes go. You remember, I don't know if you remember, but I remember Barkley was, he didn't give a fuck, man. I mean, and we'll touch on some shit that he said about Draymond, but like back in the day, Draymond, not Draymond, but but Barkley, he had that commercial. Let me. Can I find that commercial? Let's see if I can find that commercial. I am not a role model. I'm not paid to be a role model. Paid to wreak havoc on the basketball court. Parents should be role models. Just because I dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids. I remember when that commercial came out back in the day, people lost their fucking minds, man. Uh, but he, like you said, I'm not, a, I'm not paid to to raise your kids. But I think nowadays you are kind of when you're being paid as the spokesperson for a brand, then you kind of are a role model now. Back then it was like, nah, man, you don't owe you a shit. Won't you parents raise your fucking kids? But anyway, I'm getting off the topic. I'm getting off topic. I'm, I, we, we opened that up with, with Draymond and, and a bunch of points that he put out. Like I said, when I first looked at that and I saw that, I just figured it was just him flapping his gums about something. But listening to it he articulated it very 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 well with the examples everything saying that players need to be respected i think that um as a human being i mean i know that's kind of a cop-out to say but like i think we all should you know basic respect is something we should all show one another um and that definitely should be extended to professional athletes and when you're talking about like a job like i have a job i have a, a job i go to work i come home but I don't get paid millions and millions of dollars. And wait, and wait, before you say, but yeah, I don't get paid millions and millions of dollars, right? I make a, de- a decent living. I have a comfortable life, but my job isn't isn't in the isn't in the public realm, to where it can be touched on and theorized on and opinions made and judged, and because we're all judging. Anytime somebody says that they don't judge somebody, it's, you're, you're full of shit, man. You, you, everybody judges everybody. We just don't um, expose what that judgment is to that individual. Well, sometimes we do. But again, I'm getting off topic. Dude, Draymond's right. We should respect him. And his point about, hey, look, a player doesn't like where he's at. So, hey, he goes out into the, into the, 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 the Twitter sphere or the Internet or in the, into, into the in the public and let it be known. Look, I want out of here. I don't like it here anymore. I know you're paying me a hundred million dollars, but it sucks here and I want to win and I'm out. For us, for us regular people, for, for Joe Q public, us regular folks, man, we're like, fuck all that. You're paying me a hundred and fifty million dollars to, to play basketball and you're pissed off because you're not winning. Go fuck yourself. You're not. And that's just the nature of that. You're not going to get any sympathy from from a regular person. The minute we see those dollar signs is the minute we don't give a fuck. We don't. We're just kind of like, yeah, whatever. So it's hard. 
for a fan to 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 rationalize that. But I I agree with this point that then you cut to the teams and the teams are like, look, hey, you, you need to be a professional. You knew you shouldn't be doing any of that. Well, you know, you can be a professional or you can try to get what you've got coming or 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 or, or, or I don't want to say get what you got coming, but um make moves or be strategic in the way so that you can get what you want. Now, in the end, you're not breaking any fucking laws by by going out and announcing that you want to be out. Like he he made he made a couple of the the um examples. Uh Harden, the beard, wanting out of Houston. I mean that guy, dude, that guy is fuck he I at this point he doesn't even Harden. He's not even playing up, playing for the money. I don't think. I think he legitimately wants a championship because I don't. I don't even have to go Google or go on the internet to know that that guy. That guy probably is already. I know he's already banked at least a hundred million. He's got a two hundred and fifty million dollars shoe deal with who is it? Adidas. That's just to wear fucking shoes. And that's we're not even talking about his dude with Houston. He 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 did a max out deal. What like a a five year one? I mean, and they uh, the the point is is dude. Hey, he wanted out of there. He didn't give a fuck about the money. They they sent they. I think they actually offered him a max the the super max deal, and he said no to it. And you're like, man, dude, to to and so it's hard for the rest of us out there to to, to take that to be like, are you serious? They're offering you. Three hundred million dollars for seven years, and you don't want to be there, and so you're kicking it at the script club. You're getting tubby. You're being a malcontent. I mean, yeah. But the point is, is that the t- and Draymond to Draymond's point is, is like you can't have it both ways. I don't know what was going on with Drummond. Apparently, he they he made he got dressed because who knows he was involved in a trade. I mean that part of it does kind of suck when you can't I mean when you don't know where you, where you're going I mean you you wake up one day and the next day you're there like you've been traded but that's the nature of that beast that hey you chose as a professional athlete I don't I think that the players fuck it do whatever you want to do if, if it's going to get you what you want in the end you you've got one life to lead and and it's and it's only you, but that like he brought up that Demarcus Cousins thing. That was fucking awkward. How he got traded? Can, I mean, um, I don't know if the audio version will do it any justice, but I mean, it was straight up. It was all. It was the end of All Star Weekend. It was. I think it was his first All Star appearance. They were in New Orleans, and he's press conference, and some dude leans in, whispers, whispers into his ear, and and that was that. That was kind of fucked up, but. I mean, it's a business, and I, I personally think at that at that point, cousins cousins had become super malcontent in Sacramento, and I and look, I had said it for years, like he was a good player, but he was he was a classic good guy that's bad, on bad teams, scoring empty calorie stats. He was doing triple doubles, but with the Kings, he didn't make the team better. He just made his put his stats. His stats were what were better. Got him to the All Star. Got him the the max contracts and. You know, but that, but the way he got traded, and I think they did that because they did it while he, when they were on the road, so that uh, they didn't want, they didn't want no scene in sack. That's why I think Vladi and them did that shit. That's what I think. But it was still fucked up. Oh, 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 o
All-Star questions first, please. Yeah. All-Star game hey, questions. What other questions we got? Hey, DeMarcus, can you kind of sum up your All-Star experience? Hey, dog. You just got traded to the Pelicans. Oh, really? Can you? Uh, Put some straight-up bombs, too, dog. Uh, uh, that's what I'm... Can you sum up your All-Star experience? What it was like for all the three players? It was amazing, man. Uh, I enjoyed the city of New Orleans, you know. Uh, I love it here in New Orleans. Yeah, because in the end, that's where he ended up getting traded to was the New Orleans Pelicans. He just stayed there. I actually added the uh, the dude whispering because, uh, I mean, you couldn't hear. Like, he's sitting there and they got all the cameras in his face. And that dude just leans in. And you saw him like, oh, for real? I don't know if I would have been able to remain. Um, what's a good word? Um, uh, kept my, 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 my dignity intact. I might have started yelling and cursing about somebody. Yeah, just saying. But, but but the thing is, is bad. But yeah, Draymond brought up all those things, and uh, even Kyrie Irving. He for the last one, like Kyrie Irving. And see, for him, he's just a fucking like. I think the reason the reason you don't want to give him any any leeway is because they're just like, look at you, dude. You're in the league. You 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 play one year at Duke. You come out. You're, you go to Cleveland. Um, you're not you're there. You're not doing that great. LeBron shows up. You're the you're, you're the second banana. You win a win a win a championship, and then you're like, I want my own team. Force your way off. Go to your own team with the Celtics, and you're there. You get your own team, but you you don't like it because they got younger players that are playing, and you were hurt, and you're malcontent. And you force your way out of there, and then you get to the Brooklyn Nets, and barely season's even becoming. You're already look. I'm stressed out, and you're you're not coming. It's like, dude, you're just a weirdo. But just like Draymond said, you don't like Kyrie said he needed it for his mental health. And, and what Draymond said when he, when he said that, uh, yeah, you don't think that like not knowing where you're going to be playing next year or next month, or even the next week, um, uh, you're on a trading block fucks with your, with your, with your mentality. Yeah, of course it does. You're a human, they're human beings, but they're highly, highly, highly well-paid human beings that can, that'll be all right when it's all said and done. And that's why you're just not going to get sympathy from, from us out here in the public. We're, we're not trying to hear that shit. I'm like, nah, man. Give a fuck. We, we do it. Hey, look. We don't give a fuck. But, and like I said early on, when I played them with Barkley, Barkley had some shit to say. And of course he did, because he's Barkley. Well, I think Draymond has to really be careful. All that stuff is cute when you're winning. Uh, but when you're in last place, it's annoying. They're trying to protect their asset, and uh, they're going to trade him. So uh, you don't want a guy making $30 million on your cap if he gets hurt for the next couple of years. So they're doing what's best for them. But I think Draymond has got to start learning to understand. You can say what you want to when you're the champs in, in first place. When you're in last place, you become the guy who becomes annoying. <laughs> right. Yeah, that that excerpt was from the Bill Simmons podcast. Um, he had a lot to say, and Simmons each e- easily, well, not easily, well, pointed out that, and like kind of like what I said earlier, Draymond is kind of this generation's Barkley, but Barkley's like, well, look, uh, I was a great player. He's not a great player. He he's kind of shitting on him that way, saying he's not he's not good enough. You're not on a good enough team to. To, to be able to make comments like you can make whatever comments you want. It's almost like I don't I kind of don't agree. I think that like you can make the comments. But now if you're on a winning team, they may they may carry more weight. You know, they may they may go further. Like if LeBron says something, more people are going to listen. But if like 
But if like who some some what, what's his face? Uh, some dude on a, on a shitty team. Some dude on the Kings. Say say love my Kings. Uh, comes out. I'll be seriously. Like when when um, Fox, De'Aaron Fox, he was actually the first person to come out and say fuck the All Star game. What are we doing? Everyone's like, what are you talking about? You're because you're not going. Then slowly but surely, all these other players start saying it now. Now they're all agreeing. Which I don't think they should be having a fucking All Star game either. But it's all comes back to fucking money. But Barkley, yeah, he he. There was a cup. There was another portion of that podcast that he talked about and about how he doesn't like this type of basketball where they chuck up a bunch of frees and all everybody wants to do nowadays is play with their best friends and he's like we didn't do that back in the day you know he guys never want to get out in my day you played you did your job but you got paid a lot of well not what they get paid today you got a lot of money to play you just do your job and if uh if they trade you they do but they don't you didn't you didn't I don't remember any guys in my day forcing their way out of a situation. You know, Reggie Miller uh, stayed in Indiana. Dominique Wilkins stayed uh, in, in Atlanta. You know, Michael Jordan didn't win for a long time. He didn't say, hey, I can't beat the Pistons. He got better as a player. You know, he right. didn't win a championship just like eighth year in the league. That's what's really funny about these guys today. If they don't win a championship in like the first three or four years, like, well, I need some help. I'm like, well, everybody needs some help. But it's just a double. It's it's a difference. Like I say, Michael Jordan didn't win his first championship. He was he was twenty eight years old. His eighth year in the league. But you never heard him complain. You saw that documentary. He's like, I got to get better. I got to get better. I got to get better. So I think that's the biggest difference. I hear what he's saying there, but there's a part of that where you you talk about jumping players, forcing their ways off. I do seem to remember him at the very end of his career, hopping on, you know, jumping onto a a Houston Rockets team to try to cherry pick a ring. It was like, it was a season after they'd won their two back-to-back rings. I mean, and uh, a season, two two seasons back-to-back rings when Michael Jordan was out, out of the league doing that bat baseball thing. I think the first, the first, they won one, they won one, and then the second one, Clyde Drexler had jumped on board. Another player who played with Portland all those years jumped on that team to get him a ring and, and, and ended up getting a ring. And then when Barkley tried to do it, the next year, it didn't work. I think Scotty Pittman hopped on that team, too. I barely remember him playing there. But I'm like, dude, players did that shit, you know? He, he talked about uh, Gary Payton uh, being in. Uh, he Gary Payton jumped on the Lakers. Uh, him, Malone, and who else was on that team? But they do bets that had jumped on the team. I never realized, I, in retrospect, didn't realize how um, how how close that team was. I don't remember what years they were. They were two, actually, I think they were in the finals. But my point is, is dude, all the motherfuckers, it's just a different version of it. It's just more blatant nowadays. Long story short, with this whole situation is, is yeah, Draymond, hey, I just think that, hey, as a player, if this shit's not against the, against the law, do what you got to do to get what you want, man. But then also be able to deal with the consequences of your actions. Cause you could, you'll do some shit that'll get you what you want, but you're gonna piss somebody off. You can't make everybody happy. There's no fucking way you can make everybody happy. Good luck trying to make everybody happy. Yeah, fuck that.
mentally right it. It's his head coach there, Daniel Evangelista. We'll see where Burns is at here early round three. Gilbert Burns needs to get back to what he was doing in round one. He's got to get Kamar Usman backing up, trying to throw those big overhands and not allowing Usman yeah. to get the And there is a new record holder for the longest winning streak in UFC welterweight history, Kamaru Usman. Gilbert just wow. fell back and hit his head on the stool. Hey. Wow. Kamaru Usman. Take it what from who? You know what it is. You know. Take it what from who? And I gotta say, if you thought the win over Colby Covington felt good, DC. That is even more impressive. John, that is more impressive. He switched southpaw, so instead of it coming as a right hand, it came as a jab, and it just froze Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns did really good in the first round, but as the fight got going, Usman just completely took over. That was a championship-level performance by a man that should get his respect in Kamaru Usman. Yeah, Gil Gilbert is crying. He's yeah, and look at here. Usman. He's destroyed. Overcome with emotion. Bided his time, did Gilbert Burns. Waited six years to get himself into a championship setting in the UFC and started strong tonight, but it did not go his way. And his longtime friend, former training partner, Kamaru Usman, watching intently. I think most fans around the world are excited to see these two athletes embrace here. <laughs> And, and Gilbert Burns is going through it. You know, I can speak to the emotion of this moment. You know, whenever you work so hard for something and think that you have, you have the stuff, and it just doesn't work out. Who's you next? Know, here's, here's the question. Who's Leon? Leon. Yeah, that was the that was the knockout of Gilbert Burns in the latest UFC pay-per-view this past Saturday. Uh, reigning welterweight champ Kamaru Usman, the Nigerian nightmare. Sorry, bruh. That's Christian Okoya. No offense. He came before you. I, I'm sorry. When I say Nigerian nightmare, I think of a dark-skinned nigga with some big-ass big ass pads and a Chiefs uniform before the Chiefs were good. That's who I think of. I don't think of you, but, dude, I tell you what, I'd never tell you that to your fucking face because you're an animal. You could hear the slugging. I mean, that fight uh, came out. Burns brought it to him. It looked like he had something, but... Homeboy, his jab, dude. Man, Kamaru Usman's jab was, it was like a piston. But he once he caught him, then he switched to like a southpaw. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they, they were training partners. Uh, Burns came up. A weight class uh, started going through motherfuckers and was like, look, it's my time now. Uh, a whole lot of things hard in that fight for me personally well number one um i see this in fights i watched there was a female fight and i don't know why i focus on watching these chicks over here kicking the shit out of each other and then when it's over they're like hugging i don't know that i could hug somebody who just two seconds before was trying to put their foot their, their foot socket up my nose or hit me in the hit me in the eye socket with their elbow or choked the shit out of me i don't know you know that i could you know, you get somebody on me on the ground, they're just pounding me in the fucking face. That's my last memory. And now we're hugging and kissing. I don't know that I could do that. Now, I said that. I brought my wife in here and I said that. And I'm like, yeah. And then, But then you see the end of this fight and you heard 
burns, uh, crying, sobbing. You're like, damn. Hope that dude goes over and hugs him. And he did. And they did have a moment to where they and he they said something to him. But you, he was destroyed, man. But dude, you hear all <laughs> that shit he said. <laughs> Kamaro Usman he was like, take what from who? Put some respect on my name, nigga. Let's go on there. Let's go. Stop playing with my fucking name. Let's go. Hey, let's do it on camera. Stop playing with my name. Let's I ain't go gonna right on there. Nigga, when my name come up, respect it. Let's go. Stop playing with my fucking name. All drill, y'all. Stop playing with my name. I ain't gonna say it no more. I don't even that that was the the impetus for. I don't even know what the impetus was for Mr. Birdman showing up at the Breakfast Club, yelling at the yelling at them. But all I know is it became like a like an audio meme or or something that people said put some respect on my name. And that's what Mr. Kamar Usman said. He screamed out, "Put some respect on my name." We'll definitely put some respect on you after that ass whooping. Dude, that dude's just mowed down everybody. You look at the way he's put together. I look at him. He's, he's what was he, 5'10", 170 pounds, and he's all muscle. I'm 5'7", 171 pounds, and I, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm, I'm shorter and I'm heavier than him, but I, there's no way. He probably walks around 210 pounds at least. He's back fucking alone. Well, I know this, though, when it's all said and done, Mr. Gilbert Burns, he might want to go back to his other weight class because he's not beating him. He's not beating him. He didn't try to get him to the ground. He didn't try, he, look, he, he, man, he hit him. He took them hands to the dome, and that was that. And like I said, they hugged in the end, hugged it out, and, you know. But um, what's the moral of that story? Well, you might not want to fight your training partner. Because not only do you lose, I mean, you could end up losing a friend, too, but maybe not. Maybe there's honor amongst warriors in that vein. Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, again, welterweight champ, Kamara Usman. I began writing this book shortly after the end of my presidency, after Michelle and I had boarded Air Force One for the last time and traveled west for a long-deferred break. The mood on the plane was bittersweet. Both of us were drained, physically and emotionally, not only by the labors of the previous eight years, but by the unexpected results of an election in which someone diametrically opposed to everything we stood for had been chosen as my successor. Still. Having run our leg of the race to completion, we took satisfaction in knowing that we'd done our very best, and that however much I'd fallen short as president, whatever projects I'd hoped but failed to accomplish, the country was in better shape now than it had been when I'd started. For a month, Michelle and I slept late, ate leisurely dinners, went for long walks, swam in the ocean, took stock, replenished our friendship, rediscovered our love, and planned for a less eventful but hopefully no less satisfying second act. And by the time I was ready to get back to work and sat down with a pen and yellow pad, I still like writing things out in longhand, finding that a computer gives even my roughest drafts too smooth a gloss and lends half-baked thoughts the mask of tidiness. I had a clear outline of the book in my head. First and foremost, I hoped to give an honest rendering of my time in office. 
not just a historical record of key events that happened on my watch and important figures with whom I interacted, but also an account of some of the political, economic, and cultural cross-currents that helped determine the challenges my administration faced and the choices my team and I made in response. Where possible, I wanted to offer readers a sense of what it's like to be the President of the United States. I wanted to pull the curtain back a bit and remind people that, for all its power and pomp, the presidency is still just a job, and our federal government is a human enterprise like any other. If you didn't recognize that voice, that would uh, be your um, 44th president of the United States, Mr. Barack Obama. It's a foreword from his book, A Promised Land. Um, you should check it out. I only listen to audiobooks. Um, and I said this, made this comment to my wife over and over and over again. I didn't appreciate the man when he was actually in office. And the more I listened to that book, the more I really believed that. Like he, and, and, and he, articulated it great how he wanted to give you a mind's eye into what it was like being president man i feel like he was measured he tried to be fair um even to a fault at times um and i know there's some of you too that are probably gonna even if you are anybody who's listening to this we're gonna say fuck him this that and the other look hey i didn't for me i feel like i didn't appreciate him because he was the first black president it was almost one of those things where people were like look you need to like him you he's a black president don't tell me the fuck i'm supposed to like i don't know how about I, how about, you know, how about I meet the person? How about I, how about I listen to him for a little while? I don't, shouldn't have to like him. But you know what? He comes across incredibly likable. And um, if you get a chance, uh, check out the book. Again, it's A Promised Land, Barack Obama. Um, it's him reading, which I like. Um, there's another book, uh, Saturday Night Live. They put out a book a couple of years ago. And it seems like they, it's the same live from New York at Saturday Night Live. And they talk about, Saturday Night Live from the very beginning, the first cast in the 70s. And what they've done is, is they keep adding to it every year. But this last version, I don't like the people that they have reading. Like they had the original people, I think, reading. I don't know. I don't know who they had, but it, the people they have now, they kind of suck and they've kind of fucked the book off. I almost wonder if they've done that with the Sports Illustrated, not Sports Illustrated, but the, um, there's an ESPN book that I read, uh, listened to a bunch of times. I wonder if they, they should add to that one, but whatever. Check out A Promised Land. Sarcastically speaking about sports. Good night. Good day. Goodbye. Good evening. Later. You don't know about that headhunter. Headhunter, son?